Welcome to the Make My Day podcast. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by Luke Capriti and George LaHoff. Guys, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Winston. And uh, so I hope everybody realizes this is the 10th episode, and that's why Winston is finally doing the intro. And Woo-hoo. really excited, because that, that's kind of like a, a little uh, token for our podcast getting to double digits, which is, which is great. And uh, I've been... I'm exhausted. <laughs> I, I have a. I started writing on a whiteboard next to my computer because I can't actually remember all the things I have to do at this point anymore. And I'm like afraid that it's going to be like a month down the road and somebody's going to be like, "Hey, like, where's my thing that you promised me?" And it, it's it's getting insane. <laughs> How about yourself, Luke? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling a similar um, sense of anxiety and um, this like feeling of, "Oh my God, my to do list is falling on top of me." But then hearing that Winston's dealing with no AC during a heat wave in California, I tried to put um, that into perspective and say, at least I'm in a 70 degree room, um, kind of comfortable. <laughs> Sorry, Winston. That's that's not the most crushing part of it all. Um, I too am suffering from schedule overload. Um, I just released a video today, but sort of working backwards from that, um, you're supposed to give like a sponsor like 48 hours to review a video before it goes live. And the ad agency um, who I'm working with is based in the UK. So in order to hit like anything close to a 48 hour um, review window, like I have to give it to them like late Wednesday, early Thursday. Um, And if I don't catch them by like Thursday, eight or nine a.m. Pacific time, like it's they're going to be out of office and they won't get to it till Friday. So I woke up at like 5 a.m. on Thursday so I could just drive to work, beat the traffic, start editing, finish the edit at like 7 a.m., and then roll straight into work. So this week has just been brutal for me. Oh, man. Jeez. I feel like you're going to have that day of hibernation where essentially you just sleep and wake up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) What time is it? might be Sunday. We'll see. (laughs) Is that the video you just posted this morning? I saw saw one go live. That is the video I just posted this morning. Okay, I got to ask. So far it's doing... Okay. I watched half of it. I watched half, and I, and I didn't. I got to finish the other half. But there's one part of it, and like it blew my mind already. So I, I got to know the the end mail that touches the phone and uses the phone. Is that real, or did you did you somehow do that digitally? Because I was like, what is going on right now? This is insane. <laughs> so <clears throat> that wasn't an end mill. That was a about a three inch long aluminum rod that I hammered the top of. So it's kind of like a nail. Uh, so the top is flared out, so it doesn't fall through the collet. Um, so you can actually tap uh, on the bottom, and it's it's almost like spring-loaded. It's just held down by gravity. Um, and then I I polished the, um, the shaft of it. Um, I stuck it in a drill, <clears throat> took some sandpaper, and uh, basically just took the diameter down a couple thou, so it would slide freely in the quarter-inch collet. And then... I just put a little dab of water on the bottom to, to make it a little more conductive. And then I just dragged that across my phone. It's insane. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it, Luke, but like he's got his phone like on the bottom of the CNC bed and he programs it to like move the this, I guess, the nail to move like a finger and it's swiping through his phone. It selects an app and exits. It's like insane. I'm like, what is going on? Like, oh my God. I, I, the video is nothing about that at all. And I was just like, that part was like, what is going on? I'm watching it right now at two times the speed. So I'm just gonna, in the background, kind of eye over every once in a while to see if oh, I can catch it that. It was so cool. It was. <laughs> it, that sounds awesome though. <laughs> 
it was kind of fun to make. the The problem I had was that um, since that little aluminum stud wasn't like truly spring loaded, um, it couldn't really press very hard on the screen. And so without that drop of water, which will evaporate and sort of just um, like disappear over time, um, like I would get like 30 seconds through and it'd be scrolling, scrolling, and all of a sudden it would stop scrolling and I'd be like, damn it, I've got to reset. <laughs> so um, how many times did it take you, you know, <laughs> after all? About eight times I have most of them bad. on film. Wow. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was a fun little experiment. Um, I, when I approached like an ad spot, I'm like, I could like cut to like a shot of their website or something boring, but who's actually going to watch that? If I can at least make it a little entertaining, like fold in some CNC into this like uh, ad integration, I think it's just a lot more interesting for all parties involved. I think it was like the coolest way to like enter. That that was awesome. That was awesome. It really could be like a new (laughs) thing that people are like, all right, well, you guys got to give me something at least half as good as what Winston did because, you know. I don't want just some somebody scrolling through this anymore. We had a CNC doing it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've got a. I'm working with a coffee company uh, in oh, September, cool. and I'm trying to think of ways I can use a CNC to uh, make my coffee. I'm watching. I'm it thinking now, I could so get a. That is pretty okay. impressive. <laughs> I'm thinking I could get like a, a French press and then just have the CNC pushed down on the oh, plunger, cool. or. Um, stick like a spoon in the spindle and just have it stir my coffee. <laughs> oh, I like that too. That that's a cool idea. I like the stirring. I'm trying to think like if you could grind it somehow, but that'd be like insane. I guess you'd need to like pack it. It would rough. be. The thing is, the whatever cylinder or container that you're holding the the beans in would have to be like kind of similar to the end mill diameter so if you're using like a half inch end mill you might want to keep it no more than about an inch because otherwise the the beans will just scatter and fly apart too far and it'll be too long before uh the end mill comes around and and hits them again and it'll take you gotta do it now just 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 thinking of it i'm like how do you not do that like that's (laughs) if you make that work it'd be so cool (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> you need the right vi- all right let's not actually think through the mechanics of this but that would be a hilarious idea that if you make it happen that that's 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 a winner right there that sounds pretty good yeah we'll see if the company comes back to me for a second spot maybe i will mm-hmm. awesome how about yourself luke you've been busy going on over there or well yeah i think with school approaching um so yeah new jersey schools will start uh, early september and we've already started having Zoom meetings with administration, our supervisors, other teachers to start planning for, you know, how are we going to do classes such as woodworking virtually? Um, we're going to be starting in person or in a hybrid model. Um, but since that's really never been done before, there's so many questions in the air um, that don't have answers that everybody is kind of waiting for whether it's you're waiting for the governor waiting for the superintendent or whoever so um with that in the back of my mind trying to think through my classes i'm trying to get us prepared with a workspace so um i finally finished some of our outdoor seating that has been on my plate for a long time and i'm starting to plan our um like office space Uh um we're gonna have a like a big floating desk i haven't really like taking pictures or anything, but I've started mapping it and thinking through in my head. Um, And then this one room downstairs 
it's like a real big um, wall and we just want to have, you know, like a floating desk with some hidden storage. So I'll be working on that over the next two weeks and it has to be done before school starts. So I have a, um, although it's, you know, a decent amount of time, um, it's just some pressure because I don't want to have a unfinished project before school starts because that will just, you know, linger over me and um, stress me out and also be something that I want to work on. So it'll distract me. So yeah, I have that, and um, and like I said, those other little projects for the house outside, I'm just trying to finish everything up, and I'm starting to feel the pressure of, why didn't I do this earlier? Like, why why not in the beginning of the summer so I had more time to just relax? So um, yeah, no customers right now, um, which I've been pushing off. I've just been telling them I'm too busy. Um, so it's cool. Like, my neighbors have been contacting me, um, but with that, I feel, again, like, the pressure that I want to accept the customers. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's always like this weird juggling act that I'm, I feel like I'm running, but I know you guys can understand what I'm talking I, about. I get you completely. So okay. so is that is that table going to be like a live edge or anything that you're going to be making? Um, it's actually, <laughs> it's going to be um, MDF, the like least fun okay, material cool. to work with. But it's because um, our floors are just really tough at least in my mind, are really tough to um, match, whether it be with stain or anything like that. So I thought just painting it so that it kind yeah, of, cool. um, yeah, let's say like matches well, uh, it will look nicer. And then it'll be a real smooth surface, nothing like, you know, we want it to be really um, useful because it just was too messy in the spring with our kitchen and dining room table being our desks. It just didn't work out. So I want this to be real clean, uh, good surface. And I have a couple ideas, like maybe having whiteboards um, either built into the desk for us to oh, write on, cool. yeah. you know, um, or again, like I'm trying to think through what are useful things, maybe like a magnetic place to, you know, throw up paper clips or I don't know. There, there's got to be some way. I like magnetism. I'm watching uh, Winston's video right now, too, with how you held the uh, little boxes together and they're magnets. So I feel like I have to use magnets somewhere in here now. <laughs> um, when, when I first made my first uh, workbench, actually, there's like um, a whiteboard paper um, that you could buy and roll out and like you just use adhesive or glue to like stick it onto the table mm -hmm. and it's also really easy to move if it like if you don't like huh. it down the road okay. that's something i use and i really i loved it honestly so that okay. that's that's something you could consider as well for yeah sure. no i like that idea it's just i hate doing a project where i'm following somebody else's plans verbatim because one we might not have the same size space but then you know you look at it and you might realize oh i could have added x y or z or customize it this way <laughs> So um, I did watch a couple of YouTube videos and one of them was, I think, DIY Huntress. And she yeah, made, she's awesome. yeah, she, she made this um, floating desk in like a little nook within her parents' basement that the drawer, like the front of it is essentially a cabinet drawer door and it like unfolds, gives you extra working space. And then oh, cool. behind it are these compartments. So I think I'm going to do something similar to that, but instead of using, um, two by fours or common pine i'm using mdf just to be a painted surface and um like i was saying pocketing magnets or um, whiteboards or maybe in this case just using the whiteboard paper i want to add some things that are like teachery to it so um 
they help us throughout the school year. So that's awesome. We'll so, so the the big question is, are you gonna record it and make a YouTube video? Um, this video? <laughs> so I think I've recorded almost every step for the table or the um the chairs in the backyard. Oh, cool. So I might Very be cool. able to, or I plan on sending it to my friend, depending on his schedule now, since it's like two months later than I expected. Um, I'll see if he's gonna make it for me. Otherwise, I'll throw something together because I feel like I have all the content there. Um, don't know how good it's going to be, but I, I want there to be a video for that. And then with like what you're saying, I haven't started it yet. So I might even try to record some of the designing or like planning part of it, as well as the build of this desk. Um, cool. Yeah. So, so I think I will have two YouTube videos within the next, I don't know, month or so. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. out there, people. Finally get set it. I told him to it. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see how good they are. <laughs> But there's something, I think. <laughs> so you guys are going to be working in the same room on the same table right next to each other? Yeah. That's how, do, we, how does that work teaching-wise? Are, are you guys, do you oh, guys actually like teach? Like I see what you're saying. Or? If Okay, that's a good point. So if we were to have Zoom or Google Meets, yeah. um, one of us will have to move. I, I have okay. a feeling um, Adrian will be the one to move. And that's only because she likes to work on the couch. And so that's gotcha. in a separate um, part of the house. So we would be pretty far apart. Whereas like I feel the need to be at a desk or table. So yeah, I think that's a good point and something I don't think either of us thought of, which is pretty bad. But yeah, um, <laughs> good point. We will not have any sort of soundproofing or whatever to, to uh, you know, be able to hold two meetings at the same time. But yeah. yeah. That's one thing I realized real soon with um, all like the virtual work. Uh, I realized I can't work on a couch. If I sit on a couch, I'm extremely lazy. <laughs> it also like makes it so that like I never want to get up and even work out later in the day. Mm-hmm. And like the TV's right in front of me. There, it's like it's just like setting me up like not to be efficient. So I'm yeah. like I I need to like sit exactly where I am here, like with all my normal stuff, and like just work. And and, and that's that's the only way it actually works out for me. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I think we touched on this um in one of our earlier episodes maybe like three or four where um i was telling my students like you need to have a dedicated workspace so you yeah. get in the mindset of when you're here just get in the zone do your homework and then you're done and you can go play video games or hang out do whatever you want to do um and i i know for me that works so if i can have a dedicated workspace i i feel like i'll be much more efficient um because that'll be like my place to do work because like you said, once I'm on the couch, that's my place to just stare at a TV. You know, exactly. it's, it's not my place to then get up afterwards and go out in the garage or any of that. So, um, yeah, I'm real excited for this. I, I hope that that's going to be enough motivation to really get this done within the two weeks. I feel like that's more than enough time. It's just a matter of sticking to a schedule. Famous last words, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like I've been getting more um, time like in the shop recently. So like cool. I kind of have a better routine and schedule. So again, I feel like once that starts, it's easy to keep it going for a little bit until school starts. Then I'm going to have that little like rough patch of figuring out the new schedule. So we'll gotcha. see. Yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. that, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So so I, w- I want to get into it and yeah. and. I had a question for both of you guys, or I guess two different parts of it, because it's, again, a lot of things I've been thinking about from a side business standpoint. Um, But how do you guys go about choosing the different types of wood? So like, Luke, you just said you chose MDF because you're going to paint and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Wins, I'm also very interested in from a CNC aspect, like 
how you go from like maple versus walnut or, or whatnot for different projects versus just what's laying around, I guess. Um, and, you know, on top of that, um, what do you guys use? Do you guys have a process for like batching out larger quantity work? Because the more I think about it, like I do little um, like one off jobs here and there. But, you know, the money that I, you know, the, the real money I end up making from woodworking is um, things like the cork dartboard where um, I've got the process nailed down. I know if I get one four by eight sheet of plywood, I can make three dartboards from it. I know exactly how to cut it in the same way. And, and it starts to become a process versus, you know, for that one product, you just go and get whatever you can and you probably wasted a whole bunch of materials and that kind of stuff. So, so kind of two parts to it, but I'll, I'm curious from both of your different aspects, cause, cause Luke, you got that, um, you guys go and do those kind of like in-person like mm -hmm. sales type of stuff a lot more. Um, Winston, you got the CNC thing, which, you know, I remember I, I've always thought like with CNC, you've got a certain area you can only work with. And this goes for Glowforge and any laser or any other um, machines out there. But, you know, in my mind, that's even more important to be able to optimize the space. And your video kind of talked a little bit about today, right? Um, with mm -hmm. your, you've actually programmed through your software now that you can change one dimension in fusion and it changes the rest of them to reflect it, which is like huge for batch process, I would, I would assume. So, you know, just really curious all around for all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, so, um, not to step on Luke's toes before <laughs> he says anything, but um, so what you were talking about with the gift box project that I made is I have these little boxes that I know um, I can sort of tile out and fit multiples of these for whatever stock I have. Um, so, I'm working th uh, with maple, which I bought at Home Center because I'm lazy and I didn't <laughs> want to go to a specialty lumber place to get walnut or any other kind of wood. So honestly, material selection there came down to two things. One is just availability. Um, if you're making something uh, like I pass by Home Depot and Lowe's on my way to work every day, so if I need to pick up another board, it's super easy for me. Um, the other thing here is just aesthetically, like I'm looking for a lighter colored box. Um, walnut could work, but um, with the aluminum that I have, I think the um, the lighter colored maple looks pretty good. And I, I wanted to keep open the option of sort of flame finishing the tops oh, cool. of these. Um, you saw that variation that didn't work out in the video. But um, if you do any sort of uh, like hitting it with a propane torch or something, the lighter wood will give you more contrast. That's what I was thinking of when I, I chose maple. Um, but other than that, I think it, it comes down to like availability. Um, how, how are you going to sell this? If this is for like, if you're just selling it on Etsy or something and people aren't super discerning about exotic types of wood, don't waste a lot of your money getting like like some weird like coca bolo or something and uh, <laughs> spending all this time working with a more exotic wood species when people just want a nice grained wood that that's maybe a little classier than pine um now in terms of batching something out um i like to make at least one more of something that i think i'm gonna sell just because i might screw something up um but also if I sell all of them, I can't keep any of them. So sometimes if it's something neat, I like to just have an extra that I can keep for myself. And worst case, if it turns out that I really don't have the space for it, I can give it away to someone. Um, 
And also from an efficiency standpoint, you want to try and get as much done as you can up front. So I was thinking about these uh, little gift boxes and I was thinking like, oh, I'm probably, I'm only going to sell four of these and I have four like ready to go. Um, but if I'm going to, like the next step was finishing. This was right after I'd CNC'd them and I was like, do I really want to like pull out the Danish oil again at a later date if I have to make a couple more boxes? Not really. So I'm just going to grab the last piece of maple I have, throw it on the CNC, knock out three more boxes, and then I'll finish seven boxes at a time. And four of them will go out um, with the the ones that I sell. And then one more will go to the um, Patreon winner, who I gave away a Dragon Capsule to. Cool. One of them will go to another friend. And so knocking all of these out ahead of time saved me from coming back to this project at a later date when I was giving away the rest of my dragons to and being like do I really want to go through that process again like pulling out all the materials getting your workspace set up to do a process is I, I don't want to say it's like the majority of the work but it's one of the hurdles like I have to get over when I'm like oh I've got to pull out the paint again or I've got to like clean the brushes again like if I paint a second time and I, I hate that hurdle um George, question for you is, what have you done to make the, um, like, how have you optimized your production process for your cork dartboards? Do you have, like, pre-cut frames ready to go? Do you have, like, corks uh, that you've already cut, just some extra ones that you can just glue on at a moment's notice? How have you optimized production so, um, so that you don't have to do the exact same thing every single time? That's a great question because it's something I've put a lot of, um, thought into and um, just for like a comparison for everybody out there from my first cork dart board that I ever made um, I, I saw these for a couple hundred bucks but the profit on that one was probably only around a hundred dollars now my profit on them um, is at least three times that much um, so and maybe pushing even more um, because I've thought of, of as much as I possibly can and 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 there's still more I can do so um, like I mentioned, every four by eight sheet I get, I can make. Th I know I can make three of them. Um, now this goes like way back into the sizes I offer. I, I offer custom sizes, but there's a standard that we start with, um, and that's thirty by thirty six, and um, the width is four inches, and that's the limit you can use USPS shipping for. Any one inch over that, you can't actually use USPS. So that was like that took a while to figure that out. Then I realized um, that kind of did the area and the volume. Then I went online and found shipping boxes and found the exact size one of the 30 by 36 by four. So that kind of solidified that volume of size. Um, and I buy those shipping boxes by the 50s, I think. So I have 50 of them like sitting in my house because you go from paying $30 a shipping box to like a dollar or two dollars or something like ridiculous it's like it's like way cheaper when you buy them in these volumes so so that that's just from like the overall size and the shipping portion i buy bubble wrap by the the, the volumes because i know i need to wrap it up so um it doesn't get damaged i've only ever had out of uh, i don't even know how many I sold at this point but i've only ever had one person email me saying hey the guy must have dropped it real hard this there's the little it was like the smallest gnash in the wood and they were cool i sent them a fix up well it, it, i liked it because it was the first time i could actually figure out um what i do in that type of scenario i've never actually i was like i was like kind of freaking i was like you know 
and, and this is what I talked about hating Etsy for is if they give me a bad review, like it's going to like ruin a lot. Like I can't, like I can't get a bad review. So I'm like, look, I'll like fully refund you. You know, I'm sorry about that. They're like, no, 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 no. Like we don't want that. We love it. Is there any way like you can tell us how to fix this? I was like, all right, you know, the second option was, you know, here's this uh, care package I'll send to you with, um, I sent them like the stain in a bottle. I sent them um, wood filler. I sent them glue. I sent, uh, I gave them a coupon, a bunch of stickers. And like, it was like, they're like, and then I actually got a five-star review from them saying like how great I was with. So I got that part of the aspect as well. Um, sorry, it's going a little off the topic there. Um, <laughs> so then there's the corks. Um, the corks, uh, if you do one dartboard at a time, you're spending at least $75 for the corks. I buy them in, <laughs> so I buy them in the 15,000 to 20,000 to 30,000 range at a time. <laughs> so, so I, I find wholesale cork, uh, um, and, and it's really, it's really funny if you ever go out there and look up corks and like all the different types you can buy, you can buy them unused, you can buy them same shape, you can buy them um uh, recycled with whole like whatever like there's so many options so um i've gotten that down to a science where um my my the corks i'm paying i think um 15 per board uh which is you know obviously a lot less um and finally uh what's the last thing there is the dartboards so um there's no really bad dartboard process out there but i um I've been buying them from Amazon for the longest time and COVID actually caused me to look away from Amazon because, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't shipping fast, anything that was in like emergencies for a little while. Um, and I couldn't get the dartboard from them in time for my orders. So I actually went, like I was going crazy trying to find it and I found Walmart had a dartboard instead of paying $35, I now pay $20 for a dartboard that has like the same five star rating. So I'm like, all right, well, I just saved $15 a dartboard. And I like, I wasn't even looking for that. So there's so many, oh, wait, there, there's one more really funny and messed up thing. Walmart at the same time was selling the, cause I, I provide darts as well. They're selling these um, three dart packs and they're like really nice for, I remember the price. It was like $2.99. And I'm like, this is huge. Like that is like, that's a huge, like that's so cheap. Like these are great. Like I ordered, I think 30 packs of them. Cause I was like, this is a great price. And I had them. The next time I went, cause I finished them all in my orders and I, was, I had to get more. The price jumped up to $8. And I was like, whole they like, they must've thought they were gonna like make so much money. And that just, that made it so that like a different product was cheaper. So I'm at the point now where it's funny because like like dollars here and dollars there are actually like saving up and they work in the end of the day and uh, so so like there's a lot of answers to that question but it really has been and I, I really think it's over time um, I wouldn't have been able to do this on the first one or the second one over time I really start to understand like what helps you save money from producing to shipping to like every aspect of it and now I can carry that out you know into my other products like. I already know how to find better shipping boxes um, for these docking stations I'm selling. I buy the wood in, in big batches and I cut them down myself so it's a lot cheaper. So things like that kind of help out to, to really long drawn out your question there, Winston. Well, no, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's a good answer, right? Because you're essentially saying you looked at the product from every standpoint, from each material selection, each part of that product to then also like the shipping and all of that. 
So you just essentially broke it down like an engineer would, right, <laughs> to every component and then said, how can I improve that component? So yep. you're constantly just trying to optimize each time you've gone through it. And for you, like you've said, you've sold so many. That's every time you sell one is another opportunity to improve it. Exactly. Um, and so with that, the more you sell them, the more you get to improve it, the better your profit is. It just is an awesome snowball effect. And it also gives you like a huge competitive advantage, I think, because honestly, there's only one other person I've, I found on Etsy that sell these that um, has like the seller rank that I do for that product. Everybody else, I'm guessing it probably doesn't look profitable to make those. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have all those bulk products and all that process in place, it really doesn't make like you don't want a hundred dollars profit for those. It's like way too much work. You know, mm -hmm. you, you need to be able to make a lot more. So I, I think once you save on all that, those parts of the process it that's where it makes a lot of sense and that's why you know i haven't stopped selling them like i want to make a whole bunch of other stuff but i'm going to keep selling them because it it works it actually funds a lot of things in the business I'm, I'm pretty lucky and blessed i'm pretty happy with that type of thing yeah yeah do you have like i'm looking at a picture of your dartboard now have you considered like pre-cutting like the trim pieces and just storing a couple boards worth on, <laughs> you know, like in the shop and then just as soon as you get an order like you just the pieces off the shelf and you uh, just start putting it together oh yeah so so if you know if, if you're a woodworker um you know that the best way to do it is to figure out the the length of the piece that can fit as close to whole pieces of the size you need so so if you need two you know uh, two foot pieces you you don't want to get the five piece foot piece of wood you want the four foot piece of wood so I go and I buy, I think, I think I go and get 10 foot pieces because that lets me get close to having a little scrap at the end of it. And I realize I save a lot of money if I get the wood double the thick uh, width and I cut it down in half myself. So, you know, I have all the tools to do it myself and I, I save, I think I cut the cost almost in half by doing that because they jump up the prices and you lose scrap and this kind of stuff. Um, so I 100% do that. I have, I have ready to go everything I need for at least two more dartboards in the garage so I can get working on that. And if those orders come in, I'll go get more material. And another thing that really helped my business cause I don't have um, like a giant table saw um, and it takes me a while to cut down four by eight sheets and to get it all straight and get it outside the shop. And if I, you know, if, if I go to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever it is, I have them cut them into three pieces for me and it just saves me at least an hour. And when you're talking about like business and side business and like every hour you're you're charging your minimums, saving an hour like really helps a lot. Um, so that that helps um, knowing the size, the pre-cut size that makes it as efficient as possible really helped with with those dartboards. Sounds like you got this under control. Then. Yeah. With the car, with you the dartboards, I have a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I feel pretty good about those at least. Yeah, I mean, how about yourself, sounds... Luke? Do you see this kind of stuff when you with your your guys and yourselves? And because you guys do, I. I've always considered doing, um, what are they called again? Like the, craft um, fairs craft or craft fairs. shows. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So you have to, right? You have to do bulk to be able to make profit at those type of places, right? Um, you don't have to be. And I'm uh, an example of that. Our <laughs> first time doing it, we were like ecstatic with how much money we made off of it. And to be honest, I felt like we were giving a real fair price and everything. I didn't think we bumped it up that much, especially looking at other people's prices on similar goods um however if you batch it out you would obviously 
like you've shown, you would optimize your profits. You would get instead of $40 on a board, you'd get $50. And um, so I do see the need for it. And on, I think, our second or third show that we did, and we've only done a, a handful of them, um, we had gotten to a point with our beer caddies and wine caddies that I had an MDF template. So essentially, I just, you know, threw that on, um, you know, whatever piece of wood it was, if it's maple strip, um, similar to like what Winston said, I pass a Home Depot and Lowe's almost anywhere I'm driving. So it's easy to say like, oh, if I get the um, one by four, you know, maple boards, that's a nice piece of wood. It's already the right thickness. So I don't really need to plane or sand it down. Um, it's the right width. It's three and a half inches. So that fits, a, you know, two wine glasses um, and the, the wine bottle in the middle. All I need to do is essentially drill three holes, jigsaw out a couple of slots and we're really good to go. Um, so it was like that second or third time of going through it and saying, you know, I did all these essentially by hand or measuring them out. And that was no fun after the fourth one I did. So that's where I got smart. I was like, okay, if I have one that I just use as my template, that's good. However, I had a pine template, which that can get damaged. Um, so that's where then I made a template out of MDF a little bit harder. Um, so I felt like, yeah, after doing that, I saw the potential for savings and in batch work. Now, the problem came with me that I didn't necessarily want to do that um, because I felt like I could have had, say, a CNC do a lot of this work for me. Um, say, with the wine caddies or beer caddies in particular, it really was something that I could throw any size sheet on there and I had it nested um, in a way that I was cutting them out, but I was working as a CNC doing, you know, like the, the manual labor that really wasn't yeah. necessary for me. So I didn't want to then purchase, like I didn't want to invest in a CNC at that point because I was trying to do more custom work and essentially just gain skills in woodworking. Like, okay, I don't know the terms, the joints, the um, tools, all of that stuff. So I want to do a bunch of different things to see what's out there and then find my dartboard. I want to find what I like making and um, can like make cooler, better. Um, so yeah, I was just making things that I thought would sell. And now I've kind of... Um, gone away from that one from COVID, there's really no craft shows going on. Um, and then two with our house, it's um, in my mind, it's more fun trying to make furniture that fits the space. So I've gone away from batching stuff and um, more into just custom work. Uh, however, if I were to do that as a side hustle or side business, um, I don't have clientele that are willing to spend the money that I would need um, somebody to pay me for to make it actually profitable. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I think the the last person I did any work for, they asked me for these letters that said cinema for their, I think it was their basement movie theater. Um, so it sounds like, right, they have a lot of money or whatever, but they, they said they want it to be relatively cheap. So I used the Glowforge to um, cut out the letters and then I just um, painted them black. But I charged a hundred bucks for it for six letters. So it's like, when I hear that, to me, that's really expensive. But to them, they're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll pay for it because that, that'll just finish it all off. Um, but it cost me like less than $2, I would say, <laughs> for the wood. It really just was my time at that point to, you know, draw out a font so that I didn't have to pay anybody for a special font and um, like that kind of stuff. 
So it was fun doing the custom work. And now I guess I could batch that out for other people that I have the font and all that, but I don't have an Etsy shop set up and I don't have um, enough people who follow me that are like, I'm interested in cinema being, you know, pasted up on my wall. So like, I, I guess for me with batch work, I haven't found something that I'm passionate about or that really a lot of people are interested in to where it would be worthwhile to batch something. So I feel like I don't have too much to offer besides um, whatever product you do like doing. I know that there's a way to improve it. And it's usually looking at um, like the materials. Um, how can you find the material at Home Depot or wherever that is closest to the size that you need? Um, like you said, George, cutting a board in half, like that's great and everything, but it becomes a time factor. Would it be easier to just chop the right width board um, into their lengths? It, you know, I don't know. It's something that you would always have to weigh and it becomes situation dependent. Um, but I know that if craft shows ever start up again, um, I do want to get into um, some batch work because I'd like to bring some money into the business to get a CNC and to start building this into something that can run a little more self-sufficiently. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you're mentioning like finding your dartboard. I mean, I still say to this day, I got really freaking lucky because I did the dartboard as a gift for a buddy. And like I posted it as a picture, like saying like, oh, you know, like, you know, happy graduation, buddy. And like people were, were like overwhelmed by like how cool it looked and, and this and that. And that's where I was like, all right, maybe I could start selling this thing. But I didn't think when I first got it, you know, I wasn't like, oh, this is gonna be a great business. I never even thought about selling it when I first made it. So I almost think like you can't, you know, for, for it to be. Um, kind of like your own hit type of thing it has to be unique enough you know like a lot of people do cutting boards and everything like that so you know to, to have people come for your cutting board there has to be something so different from other people's um, and I'm I'm constantly always thinking about the same thing because I would love to do something with like the Glowforge that is my own unique thing that I could just hit go and it's easier than the dartboard but it could be my own like another big uh, you know business profit type of thing um so it's it, it's it's really it, it's really hard to to figure that stuff out like whenever i think um you know of space stuff i honestly think of winston right you, the amount of stuff you do with like space design so if i ever needed something like that i would be like oh like you know winston does like such cool like different designs with that type of thing you know he's the guy i can go with for that and recently I've been getting a lot of people message me for now that I, I post a lot with the laser now and it's like, Hey, can you like, you know, can you cut this font for me? Can you laser? I should. And it's, I'm, it's almost gotten to the point where I'm afraid of people using me as a laser service service for like their one-offs. And it's not anywhere near like the maker type of business I want to be, you know, like uh, I'm sure you know about this, Winston, there's like companies out there that reach out to you to join um, their network where they'll, they'll go get a job and then you see and see it for them and you ship it and you get like a percentage of it and you become like a manufacturing shop. You know what I mean? It's not like you're doing anything yeah. really cool at the end of the day, you know? So that's like stuff to me. Yep. Like recently um, this is something I'm, I'm really trying to hone in on. 
Um, I've got this military guy who's connected with me through Etsy. Um, I made for him, one of his sailors was leaving and um, he wanted uh, a plaque uh, made for him. And I CNC'd it, it was, it was really cool at the end of the day, I, I loved it. And now he came back, he's like, uh, it was it was an it was an American flag plaque with um the Jets logo where the stars. So that's something I already have on the Etsy page. So I drew him in with that. Luckily, I mean that's not a big product of mine. And then he come back. He came back. He's like, hey, um, you know, you made this for me. Really loved how it turned out. Can you make um a, a band aid out of wood for one of my sailors leaving? That's also a plaque. And I'm like, I was like hold on and within like 20 minutes i sketched something up in fusion i'm like is this what you're thinking he goes yeah and i was like and i'm you know military always give a discount so i, I kept it at the same price as the other plaque but i'm like this is sick like it's for one of his sailors leaving it's like a band-aid like out of wood that a plaque in the middle it's so unique and it's like so much fun and this is kind of like a different it's not batch work as much but it's a repeat customer hopefully because he's always gonna have sailors who are going away and if he's into giving them custom woodwork plaques, like I'm like, that is, I told him like, I'm really about this. I'm going to keep you at this low price for like whatever plaques as, as I possibly can. You know, thank you for your service, all that kind of good stuff. And I'm hoping that'll keep going on because I think that's so cool. And then I got a family friend who's in Japan, um, whose husband is in the military and they just reached out to me to do a wooden thor hammer as a as a plaque for their sailors leaving i'm like hell yeah let's go like this is that's so cool and they want it they want it so that it's like um to cut like an angle um off the top of the hammer so that it like looks like it's sitting in the ground at an angle type of thing and make it like even and i'm like that's like that's awesome let's go and i'm gonna try and see and see it because they want a whole bunch of them for all their sailors eventually when they go so so I forgot kind of where how I got on this tangent, um, but oh, so yeah, so I, I want to stay away from just like the standard service stuff that anybody can do because you know again this is a side hustle, but it also if it's not fun, it's it's gonna be like mm -hmm. too much of not fun throughout the day of too many of the jobs, I guess. So so a lot, a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about the random tangent. No, I, I know what you mean though with it's batch work. I forget what it's called. There's a word for it with um, 3D printing and um, CNCs becoming so, um, uh, what's it, ubiquitous, right? Like it's so common that now you can do mass customization, I think is what it's called, where you can produce something um, in mass but you can add like little tweaks here and there. And really, um, Winston, your um, SpaceX, the Crew Dragon thing might be a really good example of that, where you made a parametric model that now that box can be customized for whatever's gonna go inside there. People could, if you wanted, um, request like it for a ring, you know, if they wanted to use it before a proposal or a wedding or something. Um, it could be for something larger, um, you know, like maybe a larger model of the Crew Dragon. I don't know, like, right, you could technically make these things um, for any object that goes inside there. And same with your plaques that you're talking about, George. You could essentially say, like, here's what the plaque looks like. You have a um, five by seven space to add in whatever image or um, like 3D emblem or something that like you want in that space and that's what you customize but everything else can be mass produced um so like it is batch work with um that little touch of you know making it unique and i think i i'm on the same page as you george where i want to be giving something 
I want to be producing stuff that is unique to the customer. I don't want it to just be one of a thousand people on Etsy making a cutting board with a live edge and their last name engraved on it. Yeah. I mean, the number of people in the world that can do that is probably near the millions. And it's like, it really isn't that unique afterwards. You're just picking a Mm -hmm. font at that point. Right. I mean, I've sold them before, but I'm just saying, I don't want to continue to only (laughs) do that. Um, At the end of the day, it's, it's maybe not about having a very specific thing, but it's having a formula mm-hmm. to make a mm-hmm. bunch of variants. Um, so yeah, that, that parametric gift box was uh, something I intend on using in the future. Um, but George, for you, a word of caution, I would say when you're planning out these these custom plaques, um, don't always think about like, oh, like I want all of these details to define like this Thor hammer. Um, do also consider like how far back can you take the design? How simplified can you make it? Um, and then find a balance in between the most detailed one and the least detailed one, because you'll get to a point where it's like that next level of detail will add like half an hour of CNC really time important. and across multiple plaques, it's going to start adding up real fast. So you need to find that balance, that, that point where it still looks like a Thor's hammer, um, it has some details that if someone didn't know your design intent and how far you were going to take it, if they just look at it and they're like, wow, that's cool, without thinking, oh man, there's so much missed potential there, that's that's the sweet spot you want. Because really um, there's point. a lot of projects I've made where it's like, I, I have all these ideas of how much cooler I could make it, but it's just not practical. And if people don't know that going into it, um, they just look at it as an objective outsider. They look at it and they're like, wow, that's really cool. Um, that's that's all you really need. So don't go too crazy. Um, you got to make this so that it's actually sustainable. Because if you charge them like a fixed price, but you put so much extra effort into it that in the end, would they really notice it? Maybe, maybe not. That might not be a value proposition for you. That's a- Really good wise around. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to reach out to you because as I'm doing it, you know, I'm probably gonna get into that. I I love. uh, I'm a big nerd and geek about the Avengers and all that kind of stuff, and I prefer Iron Man, as everybody can probably tell at this point. But but I I I've always wanted to make like a legit. um, I wanted to make the Stormbreaker, right? The axe run, but. But to me, this is like, this is so cool. <laughs> so I probably got to, I think you're right. I got to, I got to pull myself back before it gets too crazy. But, but Luke, you mentioned Winston's box and I, I just want to show that Winston, I think has done something similar to the dartboard because he, he started, he gave me this as a ring box a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, much more simple version. And he keeps expanding on and it has got, the, it's got the magnets in it and everything, but, mm-hmm. but it's the old style with the bar magnets, <laughs> you see, we got the bar magnets and you know, you could tell the grain matches and everything on the wood there. So you did nice. a good job there, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that's something in your mind that you've been kind of like, you know, improving on every time now, because you, you use a lot of boxes for your products at the end of the day, right? You, 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 it, it kind of like steps up the class because you put whatever it is inside of the box, which is a really nice touch. I should, I should consider that too. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, I also thought it was interesting. Yeah. It, it fits both ways. It's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting point that like you, you would, your boxes for all the cool stuff you make inside of it, you're perfecting that yourself, you know, that's like going into like the real details of, 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 um, you know, uh, 
cutting down on the extra uh, stuff and I, I'm guessing you're not saving costs on it, but you're just making it look better over, over time. Yeah, so that was for me kind of like just a, a value add because I do still feel kind of bad about the price that I'm charging for the SpaceX capsules. It's just, it's a factor of how time consuming they are to make. But I figure I can sort of sweeten the proposition by making this thing that I, I put a little more effort into. And I mean, if you go into your garage and you look at your tools and the kinds of cases they come in, even like just between like name brands for even plastic cases, you look at certain uh, boxes that things come in, you're like, wow, this, this feels just a little cheap. And it, you look at some other products and you're like, you know, this box, like I don't need it, but it's just, it's nice. It makes it feel more polished. It has a little more weight to it. Um, and just those little things help improve the user experience. You I want think. the box that people think about twice of, oh, should I throw this away? Should I keep it? Because it's kind of nice. Like, can I use yeah, it Yeah, like I've got a, <laughs> I have a box of uh, chisels that are, they're really cheap. They're just like the cheapest ones on Amazon. But like the wooden case, like the hinges are like falling apart. And like, it's just at the level where you start to wonder, why did you even bother? <laughs> like, just, just give me the tools in bubble wrap. That would have been better. Um, but when you do it right, like it adds to the experience. It doesn't detract yeah. from it. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so along with that, like with my shipping experience with, with, uh, my dartboards, I'm even a little bit meticulous about the box itself. Like I, I make sure I wrap the dartboards so that it looks like there was an order in which I wrapped it. So it makes sense at how they're unwrapping it. And it's not like a, a mess that they're receiving. And then the box they get, I make sure that there's um, uh, like the bigger bubble wrap uh, in between and a certain amount of it lined up because I want them when they open it not to think that, oh, you know, the product's cool, but wow, they kind of wrapped it up messy. Like it might be a little broke. Like that experience alone, the opening of the product in my mind is like huge because you know when you get like a new Apple iPhone or, or yeah. whatever phone you get and you like open it up, you're like, whoa, cool. You don't even see the wires, but it's like it's like the presentation part of it. Like mm -hmm. I I want that as well. I, I pay a lot of attention and I'll put I'll put extra money if I if I have a one off product to get the box that makes it look better for when they're opening it and not send it as like a haphazard mess of things going on. Because I, I think that just like already like steps you down in your product quality the way it gets it gets shipped to you the way you're opening just like you're saying Winston with these boxes like if I I'm gonna start thinking about that because I think that's a really cool idea like you get it with a nice presentation and you want to keep the box like if you want to keep the box and that's you know I think you've hit a pretty good goal <laughs> at that point <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna really the, say that even like the box is the next level of what I'm about to say but for our craft shows we looked at this whole like the presentation of you've just purchased one of our items are you just going to walk away with the item no like you usually put it in a bag um do i want to be the um the what's it called the business where it's just like here's an old shop right bag throw it in there and now you at least have handles to carry it around maybe it's um environmentally friendly to a certain extent that we're reusing them um but i want to be a little more um like upscale and give them a nice brown paper bag it's uh eco-friendly it's recyclable but it's also like that craft person um yeah. kind of feel to it right like it's a it's a nice bag it's a sturdy bag that can hold a cutting board in there without falling through the bottom um now the next step to that would be like stamping on our logo or something that kind of gives it a capriti creations thing 
And um, what's funny about that is uh, my aunt Eileen, um, she used to have a um, a craft store. So like, you know, USA little knickknacks, snowmen knickknacks, that kind of thing. And um, she would actually hand paint her bags so that there were like sunflowers on there and you know all these different things but hand paint the what? bags that she would put the things that people would buy in there so it's like wow that is awesome that this oh, bag awesome. now <laughs> is a piece of art however when we're talking about value that's yeah, right? <laughs> probably not the best use of time right <laughs> the, the money that's going into the paint just for the item that some people are just going to trash um, so it's amazing that she wanted to put that level of effort or detail into there. However, um, in her um, particular situation, that might not have been the best way to do it. Maybe yeah. sell these paintings instead of it being a bag or having a stamp that then gets that same feel or concept out of there. But that, like talking to her about that and how she enjoyed it, there's also that other aspect. If you're enjoying making these boxes and really like leveling up um, your quality of product and the whole presentation of once you open it, that's also something that you might get from it too and feel okay with the the um, selling of it at a higher price, at a luxury price. Yeah, because so, your luxury price is like, it's it's more about you selling like the full experience, right? Mm -hmm. I, I remember um, listening to one guy who does a lot of woodwork where he actually has his customers come to the shop before they place an order and when they're picking up the order, I guess, more importantly. And he'll uh, burn wood, like, right before they come. So when they come, they get the full smell of wood as they're walking in, which, like, gives them, like, and, even, and I'm like, whoa, like, that's, like, okay. Like, okay, that's a great idea. Wow, I can't believe you thought of that. And, yeah. you know, it's, like, the next level of stuff. And I think people like that. Like, I like that kind of thing, you know? You know, I, I got a, I got a candle in my room here that's, like, smells like wood, you know? It's, like, it's, like, a cool, um, just, like, a next level step, and it's little things like that. Like, you put as much as you can into your project, uh, products, but then, like, those little things really add on, I think, at the end of the day, so. It man. becomes an experience instead of just, uh, you know, a material item. Exactly. And that's what you were saying with Apple or, you know, Samsung phones is a perfect example of that. Like, when you open it, it's like you're unveiling this jewel or something, right? It's, exactly. wow, this is awesome. It's not really a $1,000. You know, the, the object is maybe a 100 bucks, if that. But when you do all this work and then everything it does give you, you're like, ah, okay, I'll pay $1,000 for that thing. It's, it's awesome. Um, but yeah. Hmm. It's the opposite of when you get a box from Amazon and you open it up <laughs> and there's like only bubble wrap on one side and the box is like way too large for the thing that you yeah, want. Yeah, you feel it just shaking around in there. And you're like, really? You guys couldn't find a better package? <laughs> Amazon's listening and getting it all is... their good business advice right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next one you're going to get, there's going to be butterflies coming out of the box. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, that's yeah. too good. But I feel I feel like Winston's sweating a little over there. So maybe we'll call it for the day so we can turn on his air conditioning with the the heat wave he's got going on. Uh, yeah, I've got a tiny little fan here that's that's relatively quiet, but that's that's just barely keeping me alive. I gotta go like eat some ice cream or oh, something. Ooh, pretty sounds good. good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until the next time. Always good talking to you. Yep. Yeah. Right. Really enjoyed this yeah. one. Have okay. a good Take one, care. guys. Mm -hmm.